are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a Friday, October 12th edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. It's a Blazers game day once again here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are back with another edition. I didn't have one immediately after Wednesday night's game, and I apologize for that, but I figured I would get uh, the preview and the the review, the recap from the last game uh, in today. The Blazers face off against the Sacramento Kings in the preseason finale tonight at the Moda Center. So, uh, should be a good show uh, if you're there for that. And you'll probably get one last look at the starters tonight because they sat, or at least Damon CJ, because they sat out in Wednesday night's game against the Phoenix Suns. And the Blazers didn't even need the Phoenix Suns, or didn't even need the starters, or Damon CJ, excuse me, against the Phoenix Suns. They beat the Suns on Wednesday, 116 83, thanks to 28 points from Jake Lehman. And Lehman had 18 of those 28 in the first quarter out and he actually matched phoenix's total in that quarter and so uh i think i guess all the hype about jake laven has been justified for the most part but at the same time it's the preseason it's the suns um you know there are a lot of promising guys on the suns but uh we've also been saying that for the last four or five years and they've never been a good team so or even a respectable team in the last three or four years it's been since that one run when they had the Morris twins and they had uh you know Goran Dragic and Eric Bledsoe and all that and so uh I definitely think that uh Lehman going off against Phoenix in a preseason game is a good sign but I wouldn't uh just automatically assume that he's going to be good now it's better that he's playing well and scoring a lot of points than it is if he wasn't doing all those things so i i definitely want to say that it is a good thing but how much of a good thing it is remains to be really seen you know i and i think that's i think the smartest way to approach a layman i like it uh you know it makes me more confident in uh this team but i also don't know you know how long that's going to last and also when you're not playing the Phoenix Suns when you're playing the Warriors the Rockets the Jazz which you know Portland handled the Jazz the other night pretty well at least the starters did but uh you know it's going to be different but uh Layman is showing good signs that he can be that next Blazers wing that was on the bench for a couple of years and then emerges as a really important contributor at a very low cost. Uh, that, I think, has been one of the biggest reasons why Portland has been able to uh, make the playoffs over the last few years is they've been able to have these young guys like Alan Crabb, like Pat Connaughton, like Jake Lehman, turn themselves from second-round picks into rotation guys. You know, I know that that's not a very common thing in the NBA, but in Portland, it has been. You know, Portland has found some diamonds in the rough in the draft, and uh, if Layman can become another one, 
with his athleticism, his size, his three-point shooting, that gives Portland more versatility. It gives him another weapon. He's a big guy. He's about 6'9", so maybe he can play a little bit of power forward, or you put him at the three, and you have Aminu at four, and you have a really big wing group. Maybe you go small with Aminu at five, and you go Layman, Aminu, Harkless, Damon, CJ. You know, you're talking about the type of lineup now that competes with the best teams in the league, at least in terms of positional uh, you know, when when Houston goes to their, if they still have the same team, you know, when Houston goes to their five-out lineup or the Warriors go to a five-out lineup, uh, you know, that sounds like just about as good as it's going to get uh, for the... Uh, you know, for for the Blazers in terms of having that kind of positionless group, and I think Layman turning into a player that can score, that can guard a couple of positions, that can rebound, can provide that pop on the wing. That's going to be big, and you know he's an athlete, and so I like the size, I like his build, and I like the potential of what he could be. Um, we haven't seen it up until this year, and we've seen flashes of it, like that Warriors game when his rookie year, but uh, and in the summer league. But we haven't seen him doing it at the NBA level yet. But the fact that he had such a monster game, kind of carrying the team in that win against another opponent, uh, I think is great. And I think I'm very, very. Uh, it, it makes me feel very positive about the team. Uh, Wade Baldwin also had 15 points off the bench. I think he's going to – I know that we've seen a lot of Seth Curry and Nick Stauskas. We've seen hit those two guys actually jump ahead of Wade Baldwin in the rotation. But uh, Baldwin looked pretty good and uh, had 15 points. He's a really tenacious defender, and I think he's going to find his way onto the court. And I think if Portland is in a position where – they're not sold on the minutes that Swanigan and Myers are giving them uh, because right now it seems to be like that's the battle is Swanigan or Myers who gets those minutes off the bench as that kind of fourth big or third third and fourth big. But uh, I really do think that maybe Portland's best way to go about things is playing small. And I think Baldwin is a guy where you could play him and he could guard – uh, a, a small forward or you know he, he, he's tenacious enough on the defensive end and he's physical enough on the defensive end that he can play above his size and I think that uh, Baldwin is going to be a real asset for the Blazers and it is you know it, it hurts them sometimes in the regulars in the playoffs excuse me that, that they have such a size disadvantage especially at the guard spots but in the regular season that really helped them win games, and I think that uh, they have a lot of guys, and, and the fact that Stauskas is 6'6", that definitely helps, and, and Baldwin is, is very physical and strong. So I, I kind of like the groups that they have to be able to play small if uh, Swanigan and Myers you know, aren't proving that they should be on the floor. You know, I think Portland has the resources to go super small, and while it it will be hard, uh, and it's going to require everyone to team rebound, it's going to require everyone to uh, box out and defend their positions, and and be able to be on an island in one on one situations. I think that that's a good alternative that Portland has, and you know maybe we'll see some of it in the preseason tonight in this finale, but. Uh, 
they're giving a lot of the young guys some run. Uh, it was fun seeing Anthony Simons make some plays in the preseason game. And, and the Blazers overall, I think, looking confident and looking like they've really – I mean, it sounds like a very you know obvious observation, but – they just look like they've really been drilling this offense. It looks like they've really been working. All the young guys, you know, were clicking offensively. The motion looked good. And uh, it looked like they're embracing Terry Stotts, which, you know, has never been a problem in his seven-year tenure, really. But uh, it's encouraging that this year they're looking a little bit better. And Stotts even said they're going to throw out some new wrinkles, and they're not showing them yet. So I'm mean, looking forward to what those are going to look like on opening night. But uh, Stotts uh, and the coaching staff, uh, major credit to them, and also I think credit to uh, the Blazers' leaders who are not that old, Dame, CJ, Evan Turner, uh, you know, for also probably setting an example. And Dame's been kind of coaching up Anthony Simons, and uh, it, it looks like a, a good young group. It looks like they're having fun, and I think it's going to be a fun group to watch this season and I, I think Stotts deserves a lot of credit and the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for instilling a style of play every year that they've been here and even with these young guys that don't have the experience they look like they have the experience and so that was was really cool to say because you know the guys that they put out there are less experienced than a lot of the guys that the Suns had out there the other night or just as experienced or inexperienced however you want to put it and they wipe the floor with them so i think that um is a testament to the institutional knowledge that a lot of the guys on the blazers have and uh that's going to help i think portland do uh well this season so i'm going to talk about the blazers over under why i like the over and more in a little bit so uh the blazers over it actually got updated earlier this week given uh, the the whole lot of injury news that has happened in the Western Conference. You've got uh, well, you've got the whole Jimmy Butler situation in Minnesota, which is not an injury situation, but it's going to create a lot of tension within that team. And it sounds like Butler's going to be on the court uh, for the the Timberwolves on opening night. As ridiculous as that sounds, given the the drama and everything that's happened in Minnesota, the trade demand, the practice where he yelled at everybody, and then the the San Antonio Spurs, who I think most everyone assumes is going to make the playoffs until they don't, they are now down not one but two point guards. Deontay, DeJounte Murray went down with an ACL tear uh, earlier in the week, and then Derek White tore his plantar fascia uh, this week as well, and he was going to be the guy that took over for Murray as the starting point guard. So uh, San Antonio may have to make a trade. I don't I don't know what they're gonna do here because they're 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 down on point guards for basically the entire year. Patty Mills could start, but if I don't know how much they believe in Bryn Forbes uh, to, to play and, and and all that, but you know their chances I think are hurt too. But we're here to talk about the Blazers and their outlook for the season and their uh, Las Vegas over under. I wanted to talk about it because uh, it's been updated, as I mentioned. And Portland's updated over under actually went down. It started at forty two and a half, and then went down to forty one and a half in Las Vegas. So if you're in Vegas, you could bet on the Blazers to win forty two games 
and you would get your money. Now, uh, I think most of the action has been coming on the over, so I'm not necessarily alone or unique in picking the over. Last I looked on Bovada, you would get minus 130, meaning you'd have to bet uh, $130 to get $100 on your bet. So uh, that is something to watch, and I think most people think Portland's going to get the over, but I, I really do like it. I like what I've seen so far in the preseason. I like what I've seen from Seth Curry. Uh, my buddy Anand Pandian wrote a really good feature about Seth Curry for Dime Magazine. If you could you know, Google that and look that up, I think it would be a really great read about what Curry brings to the table, what he wants to accomplish this season, and maybe just like a little bit of a refresher on his journey you know, if you weren't aware, obviously he's Steph Curry's younger brother, but uh, he had a very roundabout path to the NBA. He played at Duke, then he made it, then he had to go into the G League and play for the, the Reno Bighorns or something like that, and then he, in the Summer League, looked really well for the Sacramento Kings, and he signed on with the Kings, then he signed on with the Dallas Mavericks and was a good part of that Mavericks team. And then he was out all of last season. And so uh, he talked about the feeling that he has, how good it is to be back. And it's also, it shows his confidence. And I think I think maybe we're going to learn just how good of a shooter Seth Curry is this year. And he's not just a shooter. He can handle the ball. He can run point. He's not that small. He's around 6'4". I think he's a little bit, you know, or 6'2", or something like that. But he's not, like, going to be run over or anything. And he can fight at his position and I think uh, if you trust in Nurkic's ability to defend the rim if you trust in Aminu's ability to cover ground uh, I think you can talk yourself into Portland's defense performing well again uh, and if their offense turns around with all these shooters then you're looking at a really positive outlook for this team and I know that especially in this market it's hard to find people who are positive about the Blazers I know that most people, not most people, I'm not going to put a number on it, but I know a good number of people have been advocating trading CJ for Jimmy Butler and that Portland's defense isn't good enough and all this stuff. And I, I do think that sometimes it's just, it's human nature. We are tired of things after we see them a lot for a long time. And when you see the same thing over and over, you get sick of it. And I think there's a little bit of um, almost an inferiority thinking about the Blazers. While I know that they've been swept the last couple of years, uh, but you know, they're going to jack up some threes this year. They're going to space the floor. They're going to play the way that the rest of the league is playing. They're, you know, I think that they're going to push the pace. I think we're going to see that go up. I think we're, we're obviously going to see the three-point rate go up. And all the reports out of training camp have been that Stotts is trying to get them to take more threes. There's a reason why Nurkic is taking more threes instead of those terrible long twos that he took last year, which he actually shot a decent percentage on. But the value in those shots is just not there. And I think... Portland, last year they built themselves on a team that could get second chances, that could, you know, with their shooters, if they get enough shots, they can win the games. But this year they're taking a more um, kind of marksmanship approach to their team. And I really do think that it's going to be uh, – 
a good season for this Trailblazers team because they're going to shoot the three. So if I was a better, I would bet the over. I would put uh, you know some money on that uh, because I think it's going to pay the the institutional knowledge. Like I said, even if it's preseason, that game against the Suns is a perfect example as to why I believe that that institutional knowledge matters. And there are a lot of teams in the West that are returning the same coaching staff and the same core of great players, but uh, Portland has consistently overperformed their expectations over the Stotts Lillard tenure. And uh, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to hit the over. And I think that they're going to have another solid season. Whether that gets them past the first round or not, I don't think so. But, uh, you know, I think maybe the hope is, hey, we're going to play the game that everybody else is playing. We're going to space the court. We're going to shoot threes. And... uh, you know, hope that they have enough shooters to to win games in the playoffs. And I think uh, last year they, they just had too many nights where they couldn't keep up with the rest of the league. And I think when you have Damon CJ, two guys that can score as well and as efficiently as they can, you need to lean into that strength. And I think Portland uh, this season uh, is doing that, even if you know they lost some guys and the Ed Davis loss is going to be big. But I, I do think that Portland is going to find a way to bounce back. So uh, I like the over. Uh, I was kind of inspired by listening to Bill Simmons and, and, and House do their over-under podcast that they do every year. So that's why I kind of wanted to give mine. And then we're going to preview tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings, and we'll talk about who the Kings are bringing to town for the preseason finale at the Moda Center on Friday. So we're back here for the last segment of Locked On Blazers to wrap up this edition of the show. And the Sacramento Kings are coming to town, and it's going to be really interesting, and I think uh, I know a lot of Blazer fans are going to be thinking about this when the game comes, is uh, what could have been with uh, Harry Giles, who was injured at Duke, uh, was once the number one player in his class in high school, and was really looked at as a dominant player took all of last season off as kind of a medical redshirt, which was the the thing that a lot of people said they would have to do with Harry Giles. And he was picked with a pick that would have been Portland's pick. Uh, two guys that are on the Kings, Justin Jackson and Harry Giles, the 15th and 20th picks for the Kings were selected by the Kings, and Portland picked Zach Collins. So uh, that's going to be obviously something on people's minds, and I think we'll probably get some of that matchup tonight, Zach Collins versus Harry Giles, and I'm excited to watch it uh, because uh, I think there's going to be a lot of tension there perhaps for Blazers fans. I don't necessarily think that Zach Collins or Giles are necessarily thinking about it, but uh, I think Blazer fans are. And, I, you know, Blazer fans that I've talked to, seeing Harry Giles' growth in summer league, he's moving well, his highlights look good. I haven't watched him play a full game. I did see him play in summer league and was impressed with how he looked, but uh, – you know, I think Sacramento is really hoping that their team can kind of latch on to Giles with De'Aaron Fox and maybe make a new core because they don't really have, other than Fox, uh, a star player to build around. Although I do like uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, even though he's hurt right now, I believe. But I do really like Bogdan Bogdanovich. He's a good player. I think he's... Uh, I would love to see him on the Blazers. Yeah, I think he fits the three well. He makes some plays. I think he's fun to watch. Uh, I, I like I like Bogdan a lot. But uh, I I this Kings team is going to be one of the worst teams in the league again. One of the worst teams in the West again. Very 
high chance that they finish last again. They also have a ton of big men, Willie Cauley-Stein, Harry Giles, Scal, Lebissier. I mean, it, it on and on. You know, they have just an endless supply of big men in a league that seems to be going away from them. So that is really weird and an interesting choice. And uh, just the other day, the a photo from the Kings uh, front office leaked where they still had the 2018 draft on their whiteboard, which is hilarious that they haven't erased that yet, uh, considering the 2018 draft is already over. So that was pretty funny. But um, I'm interested to see De'Aaron Fox. They do have a good coach in Dave Yeager. Obviously, Zebo, legend, but former Blazer, gonna be on the, is on the team with them. Probably not going to play much this year. Uh, could get traded to another team. Uh, to play on some, you know, real for some real minutes for some real teams that are trying to, to that have real expectations because the Kings, along with the Suns, who were the Blazers' opponent on Wednesday, I think are widely looked at as just by far the two worst teams in the West. It's not even close, and they might be by far the two worst teams in the league. I think Atlanta probably has something to say about that, but. Um, I'm looking forward to those matchups. I think the Aaron Fox is fun to watch, and I am excited to see some more from the young guys in the second half, in the garbage time kind of against the Kings young guys, because I think that is a lot of some of where a lot of tension from uh, Blazers fans happened. I mean, and I get it. You know, you, you look at all these other draft picks and you wonder what might have been had, had Neil Olshay done this, this, or this, but... Um, you know, we're going to get to see how Olshay's guys look up against the, the guys that the Kings picked. So I think just for that, um, kind of a secondary entertainment thing. But that's kind of what we have in preseason. I mean, come on. It's, it, that's, that's all we've got. So I'm interested to watch it for that reason. And I'm starting to get excited because we are so, so close to the regular season. We are less than a week away. We are six days away, actually, from Blazers-Lakers. I'm excited. I'm going to be there. Can't wait. Uh, LeBron's first game as a Laker. The Blazers-Lakers rivalry hopefully getting uh, back to what it was when I was growing up and what it has been for the Blazers kind of tenure. Loving to go against the Lakers, loving to cheer against the Lakers. I'm excited. I hope that that venom is there on you know, obviously not violent, but just, you know, love that that good sports hatred between the Lakers and the Blazers. So I'm excited to be in the building to experience it. So that's going to do it for this edition of Lockdown Blazers. We'll talk on Sunday, I believe. I am not going to have a podcast on Saturday or tonight after the game because I'm going to be going to bed and waking up super early to drive down to Eugene to go watch the Ducks against the Huskies tomorrow watching my ducks, cheering them on. So uh, big game. So thank you for understanding if I don't have a podcast coming on Saturday. But Sunday we will make sure to recap uh, tonight's game against the Sacramento Kings. And then we will also remember to do our guards positional group preview before we head into the regular season. Basketball is almost here. We are Four days away from the start of the regular season. We are six days away from the Blazers starting the season against the Lakers. So um, get excited. The time is here. So until next time.